Amen. Thank you, platform workers. Thank you for your liberality tonight. Luke chapter 12, if you got your Bibles, Luke 12 uh, tonight. Amen. In the book of Ecclesiastics, Solomon goes to many extremes to find out what makes man happy, satisfied, fulfilled, and complete. I want to read a little bit to you. Ecclesiastics 2, we start verse 1. I'm going to paraphrase some of it. He said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasures to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I, uh, amen, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of uh, fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water, groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other uh, had other slaves born in my own house. I also owned uh, more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself, and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and harms as well, and acquired male and female uh, singers and delight uh, of man's heart. Verse 9, I came... I became greater by far than any in Jerusalem before me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labors, and this was the reward of my, all my toils. Yet uh, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled for or to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So Solomon has a message for all those that think satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy comes from and through the things of this world. He said, I have, when I surveyed all that my hands have done, and what I have toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Now he's not trying to press you and I, but he's giving you and I truth here. If you go down to Ecclesiastes 12, the last chapter, at the end of the book, he draws this conclusion, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So Solomon is saying, listen, at the end of the day, uh, it's doing the will of God. That's where you're going to find joy. It's where you're going to find satisfaction, fulfillment. Uh, that's where it's at. It's in the will of God. It's not in the things of the world. It's not in a great career. It's not in amassing all the silver and the gold. Uh, all that, he said, is in doing the will of God. That means everyone in here tonight can be satisfied, uh, can be filled with joy. Life can be blessed because it's found doing the will of God. So if that says now, let's go to Luke 12. I want to preach on... A sermon I've titled, What Are You Chasing After? Luke 12, we start at verse 13. Read this with me. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge and an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be aware or be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And he told them a parable, or this parable, the grounds of a certain rich man yield abundant harvest. 
he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my supply or surplus grain. Uh, verse 19, I will say to myself, uh, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take your life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, for this very night, uh, or for this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be uh, with every, for whosoever stores up things for themselves is not rich towards God. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you tonight, God, you're blessing your favor upon the word tonight. God, I have no confidence in this flesh. But I have great confidence in your word, your will, your power tonight. I'm asking you, God, to make this truth live in our hearts. God, that only you, God, supply and give God satisfaction and real joy in life. I pray, help us tonight. God, set our eyes on you, your will. In Jesus' name, God's people say, amen. So I want to talk about first tonight, the spirit of covetousness. The spirit of covetousness. Covetousness, by definition, means... Uh, an insatisfable desire for worldly gain or finding fulfillment meaningless or meaning and purpose in things instead of God. So covetousness leads uh, to and, and is the mother of many other sins. So uh, in the world that we live in, we're either going to go after God with all of our heart or we're going to go after something in the world with all of our heart. Uh, there's really no in-between. Yeah, we can do both, uh, but one of them is going to be Lord. One of them is going to be the main thing, and covetousness uh, runs directly cross-grain in the will of God. We see this in, in give you a couple examples, Joshua 6. Israel has crossed the Jordan River. They have entered the promised land. God is uh, going to give them uh, the city of Jericho by a miracle of God. The Bible says the walls are going to fall down. Uh, Israel is going to go up and defeat the, uh, this great city. Verse 18, uh, what God says come to pass, it says, uh, or, or verse 18 says, but God says one thing to them, but keep away from the devoted thing so that you will not bring about uh, yourself destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make this camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold, the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord uh, and, much, uh, and must go into the treasury. So God tells them, listen, uh, I'm going to make your way successful. You've uh, come to Jordan. You've crossed it. Uh, the first city is going to be Jericho. You're going to win the battle. I'm going to take down the walls uh, uh, and you're going to have a great victory. But listen, as you go in, that stuff is mine. That's the first fruit. That's his tithe. That's the first city. Uh, God said, what's in that is mine. I lay claim on that. Uh, and if you touch it, listen, it's going to bring disaster upon your life. God tells him. Uh, so it happened just as God said it would. Verse 20. So when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when men gave a, sh a loud shout, the walls collapsed. And every uh, one charged straight in and took the city and they're all saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for the victory. I mean, this is an incredible start in the will of God. Uh, Israel has had its trials, but now they're in the will of God. Jericho has been won. Uh, and, but next chapter, chapter 7 comes. It said their next battle 
uh, was at the small city called Ai, uh, and the men are horribly defeated. Men died, and the reason why, verse 20, it said, Achan replied, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, uh, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I covered them and took them, and they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Because Achan got greedy. Because Achan said, I want what is God's. I'm going to take it. I don't care what God says. My eye says, I need that to be happy. I need that to be satisfied. That's going to fulfill my life. He takes it. Uh, and the Bible said he brings uh, judgment on all the, the children of Israel. Men died. People died. Achan's family all died because of his greed. And how many times have we seen that where families die off in the will of God? Uh, maybe not die off physically, but die off in the will of God uh, because of greed. I have to have what God says I is His. Uh, and I've seen people, I'm going to take the tithe, the offering for my own pleasure, and the family dies off. We see it again in 1 Samuel 15. We see covetousness destroying lives once again. So Samuel said to Saul... The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus said the, the, the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek uh, what they did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both men, women, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey, but verse 9 said, But Saul and the people spared Agag, or the king, and the best of the sheep, oxen, fatlings, and lambs, and all that was good. They were unwilling uh, to utterly destroy, but everything uh, despised, worthless, they utterly uh, destroyed. So here's Saul, he knows what's to do. Uh, God's bringing judgment on a people for how they treated Israel, what they did to them, and, and God said, I'm going to root them all out. All the evil has to die out. And, uh, but the Malachites were rich. They were very rich. They were wealthy. Uh, they had gold, silver, cattle, sheep, oxen, and things. Uh, and Paul started out off good, uh, but somewhere covetousness got a hold of his heart. Somewhere as he's in the battle, as uh, he's in the battle life as we are today, we're in the battle, amen, we're in the thick uh, of the will of God trying to uh, get victories when we can, and somewhere in there he got covetousness, got his heart, uh, and while God said destroy, he said I can't, I got to have, uh, and verse 9 it says uh, he's going after the Amalekites' wealth instead of fulfilling and doing the will of God. So Saul, if you know the text or you know the story, uh, he loses the will of God. The kingdom of God is ripped from him and his family all because of covetousness. All because of greed. Uh, now his sons don't, are not going to have the throne. Uh, his family is, is not going to be uh, have the blessing, have the anointing. Uh, all because of man's greed. Uh, listen, our greed can cost our family greatly. Our greed can cost the church greatly. Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Uh, so they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand over or hand him over. 
Covetousness is a very wicked thing. I mean, think Judas was, uh, uh, he was, he was a disciple. He was an apostle. He was, he'd been raised up in the house of God under the ministry of Jesus. Uh, he was one of the boys. Amen. Uh, he performed miracles. He got sent out. Uh, but greed got a hold of his heart. Covetousness. What will you give me? Uh, and when he heard 30 pieces of silver. Wow. Uh, I can get that. All I have to do is give up Jesus. All I have to do is give up the will of God for this. Uh, how many people are doing it today? Amen. They do it through uh, jobs and money and different things. Uh, they surrender conviction, surrender Jesus for a little bit of gold and silver. Many men and women have been destroyed by covetousness. So let's go back to our text. In our text, Jesus is there. We can only imagine the revival is taking place. People being saved, people healed, delivered, restored, because that's what happens when Jesus is around. When Jesus is around, I mean, you read the scripture, I mean, it's wonderful, save, salvation, deliverance, healing, uh, that's what's there, that's what's happening in our text, uh, a powerful move of God, and in this Holy Ghost atmosphere of revival, someone in the crowd said to him, uh, not what must I do to be saved, but uh, teacher, Tell my brother to divide his inheritance with, or the inheritance with me. Think about how odd that had to be. I mean, they're having revival. They're having a move of God. Uh, his mind is not even in it at all. Uh, so all he can think about is the money that his brother owes him, this inheritance. Uh, and right in the middle of this powerful move of God, that service, uh, he cries out, everybody hears it, Jesus hears it. Uh, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now this is how the spirit of covetousness works. He is at church for a totally different reason than the rest. The Bible says the crowd is there to hear, to be saved, healed, delivered, restored, uh, and he is there for Jesus to sort out his money problem. Amen. So we can come to church. Amen. We should come to church. Uh, Jesus touches, do a miracle. Uh, in us, uh, but here's this man, uh, he's only coming uh, for Jesus to work out his money. I love Jesus' response here. Jesus said, man, who appointed me? And I'm sure it was uh, with some uh, anger, maybe some attitude behind it. Amen. Point him down, man, who appointed me to, to be a judge or arbiter between you? Jesus, in other words, said, I'm not here to settle your money uh, issues. I'm here uh, amen, for the salvation of people. Jesus said, I ain't here, uh, amen, to get your money business when you and your brother. You guys work that out. Uh, but I'm here, uh, amen, uh, Luke chapter 4, amen, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. I'm here, uh, amen, to bring deliverance and healing to people. Verse 15, our text, Jesus says to all of us, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possession. Jesus has given us a warning here. We live in a prosperous nation. We live in a very rich nation. Uh, and the temptation many times is to get. And it's not wrong in getting as long as it don't violate the will of God. Long don't violate Scripture, uh, and Jesus has given us a warning here. Listen, watch out, because this is a strong spirit. Again, it's not wrong to have money and possessions, but it becomes wrong uh, when money and possession becomes your main thing. 
when that becomes what you're living for, what you're running after, what uh, all you think about, the money, uh, the success, that's when it's wrong. Because something has shifted in your spirit. Uh, when money and possessions control how you serve God, they're when it controls your faithfulness, uh, uh, how you're going to come to church, your liberality in the house of God. Listen, then it's wrong. And Jesus said, be on your guard and watch out because, listen, that spirit is here. So how do you know if covetousness has your heart? Well, covetousness has a selfish voice. Look at our text, verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Uh, and I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Listen, there's no thought about God and his increase. There's no thought about people, church, or needs. It's totally selfish. What can I do to enrich myself here? How can I put this away so I can be better off in life? And so it's a selfish voice. It's only how can I enrich myself? How can I selfishly store my grain, my crops? Uh, how can I get blessed? So, so covetousness makes life all about you, what you can get. Uh, it has no thought about the needs of the church or people uh, that are in need. Uh, it has no thought about any of that. Totally selfish. So understanding that, let's secondly look at the uncertainty of life here. The word uncertainty means imperfect or unknown information. When it comes to life, we have no idea how much more time we have left on the earth. Right? Only God knows the years, the month, the day, and the hours of our lives. Amen. And this, this is uh, the, the statement of our text. Here's a man, uh, he's going to die very quickly. He doesn't know that, though. Uh, that's the uncertainty of life. His life is going to end very quickly. Uh, he doesn't know it, uh, and we don't know it tonight. You know, just in the last week uh, in Oklahoma, human remains were found pursuing four missing cyclists. I'm reading this story. These are young men, uh, 20s and 30s, strong men. Uh, they go out on a bike ride, never come back. Uh, the wives start calling, hey, listen, uh, our husbands ain't coming back. Uh, something's up. They find all these remains. Uh, life is uh, precarious. Hey, man, North Carolina, I'm sure you just heard, a 15-year-old teenager killed four wounded, many others. Northern Turkey, uh, uh, a coal mine exploded, 40 killed, uh, many others are trapped, and, and the list goes on and on. Jesus said, life is uncertain. Uh, amen. We can't live as though we're going to live forever. we got 20, 30, 50 more years. Let's hope we do, but we don't know if we got tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have left uh, on this earth. Psalms 39. David understands just how fragile life is. He prays this prayer, verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may not that I, I may know how frail I am. James 4. James speaks the uncertainty of life. Verse 13. Come now. Uh, you who say today and tomorrow we will go and, and do such and such in this city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? 
it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. In our text, this man has no idea that very night is going to be his last breath. But the Spirit has a hold of his life. Oh, if he could only know the time. If he would only know, uh, listen, that night, uh, he would have reversed a lot of stuff. He would have undone it. Uh, he would have repented and got it right. But uh, here's a man that had no idea that that very night, God said, uh, you fool, this night your life is demanded from you. Then he goes on to know what all of us know today. Jesus said, and you can't take any of it with you. That's the torment on many people that die with greed. They want to take it with them. They want to secure, uh, they want to take it, uh, uh, you know, they, that's the spirit of covetousness. I don't want to give it up to anybody. I want it all. So our text, Jesus doesn't condemn the rich man for having wealth. Matter of fact, there's a joy in the Lord's voice in telling the story. It's only when covetousness was involved uh, did the riches become wrong? So God's not here condemning men and women for having wealth tonight. So don't take this sermon wrong. He's not condemning you for having a good job, having resources. Uh, it's the spirit of covetousness. It's that spirit of greed that that he's that he's after tonight. You know Psalms one twelve one through three. It says, "Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delight who delights greatly in His commandments." Listen to what it says: His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation, uh, the generation of upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. So God's saying, listen, uh, if you'll live for me uh, and be righteous and do right, he said, I'm going to bless your life. You're going to have blessings in your household. Uh, the blessing of God is going to be on that life. So in short, God loves to bless his people we see in the book of Acts, when an offering was taken, it said those who had land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds to the apostles. Chapter 4, verse 34. It says, nor was there anyone among them who, had, who lagged, for all who, all who were professors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that they were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. So I'm reading this, I'm thinking, hold up, hold up. Okay, we like the story. They sold their land, their houses. They gave money to the church. But, you know, they had to have money to buy that stuff. Before they sold it, they had to have resources. Uh, they had to be blessed. They had to have resources to buy land and houses in the first place. Uh, so they were blessed people. They had uh, increase. They had wealth. God had blessed them greatly. Uh, I mean, they had land and houses to sell. That means they had money to buy it. Right? Listen, God's not afraid to bless His people. I believe God loves to bless His people. So my prayer is this for this congregation, that you prosper in life, you have a good job, get pay raises, uh, or own your own business and have the business sense to grow the business. Uh, uh, so that's my prayer, that God would bless you greatly. But my greater prayer is uh, that you would honor God with what you have. That what God gives you, God would have access to it. Uh, amen. Because covetousness squeezes all that out. 
And Jesus said, beware of that spirit, because uh, we can be just like this guy in our text. Uh, right in the middle of revival, people getting saved and healed, delivered, restored. Uh, one thing we have in our mind is money. One thing we have in our mind, uh, I got ripped off. My brother's cheating me. Jesus, take care of him. I mean, think about that. You're in revival, and that's on your mind. You're not enjoying what God's doing, uh, but you're tormented because of money. You know, think about what all this man could have done with his wealth in our text. Instead of tearing down the old barns to build bigger barns, he could have sold that grain, given the money to the missions. He could have given it to church planting, to the poor to meet the needs of the church. Uh, he could have used that to, to greatly bless the house of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, and he had plenty. This was his leftovers, really. This was his, the increase uh, of the increase that he already had. His barns were already full. But he... but. Greed and covetousness says, tear down the old barns, build bigger ones, uh, and keep all you have. Don't worry about the needs of the church. Don't worry about launching churches. Don't worry about mission. Uh, keep what you have. You know, the Spirit of God involved in salvation says give. You know, new converts and people that get converted have no problem giving. Let me give you a scripture to back up. Luke 19.8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Uh, and the Lord said to him, Today salvation has come to your house. This is a new convert. They have no problem uh, giving uh, Jesus you want. Here it is, right? Uh, uh, but the problem is, as we grow older than the Lord, if we're not careful... Uh, amen. We can get greedy, covetousness, uh, and it squeezes that life out of us. <clears throat> Let me close here tonight. What are you chasing after? I want you to take an honest look at your life. What are you chasing after? Is it the will of God or is it just some more riches? Is the will of God first or is riches first? Open up with Solomon's quest for finding out what makes man happy, satisfied, fulfilled? Say, so build houses, businesses, accumulated wealth. Uh, but at the end of the day, he said it was all meaningless as far as finding or filling the void. Listen, I don't care if you, if you had $2 million, $10 million in your banking account, it's not going to fill the void. That's why all these people that, that win these lotteries, uh, many of them end up broke, frustrated, and said, I wish I'd never won it. It's destroyed my life. It's ruined my marriage. It's ruined my children. Uh, because money and possessions can't make you happy. They can't fill the void uh, that Solomon's talking about. Uh, they can't. It doesn't have the ability to do that. Jesus in our text told the story of a man building bigger barns to store all the extra grain, uh, but died that very night. So what do we learn from these scriptures? One... We learn, we learn that whatever you're chasing after life uh, has your heart. And it also, uh, that's where your investment is going to be. Whatever you're chasing after in life is going to be seen. This man in our text, uh, everybody's seen where his heart was. I mean, he had full barns. He's already rich. Uh, tear down the barns, build bigger ones. So everybody's seen... Uh, his extra wasn't for anybody else, it was for himself. He's a greedy, 
selfish guy. When the kingdom of God is first, listen, we have no problem tithing and giving offerings. You know, when I got saved, because me and my wife, we got radically saved, our hearts are right. Hey, my pastor mentioned tithe. Hey, how do you do this? What, what is this tithe thing? Uh, he explained, we had no problem. We wanted to do that. Our offerings, what's that? Uh, we begin to give offerings and tithe uh, and faithfully uh, did it with a smile on our face that we can help support the house of God. We help support uh, uh, church planting and missions. Uh, man, we were glad to do it. So in the kingdom of God's first, you have no problem with that. You have no problem meeting the need and giving, uh, amen, to do that. 2 Corinthians 8.1 Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. These folks didn't have it to give, but they found a way to give anyway. I like that. I mean, they're broke, they're busted, uh, they're in poverty, deep poverty. Uh, they had no extra, but somehow they trimmed a little bit here, to, uh, Rob Peter to pay Paul a little bit here, and they said, we're going to give them this offering. We're going to give in the house of God. They had that in them. And Paul was so impressed by that. He said, man, this is the spirit of the church. They're not strapped or they're not bound by poverty. But man, they have a giving spirit. They're saved. They're converted. They're finding a way to give. And Paul was so moved by that. I'm putting this in Scripture. You know, when God and the kingdom of God is first, not tithing, not giving offering, it doesn't even get in the mind. How many know when you're right with God, I mean, to not tithe, that's almost like a gut punch. I mean, and to not give an offering, every service member wife always give. Or tithe or offering, uh, but, I mean, to not do that? You know, we learn that covetousness makes you selfish. You know, when you're selfish, you're not going to tithe and give offerings regularly. You might give it when you got a little bit extra, a lot extra. But if you can put any kind of squeeze on you, no, nope, can't afford it. Can't, can't afford to give to God. Can't afford to meet a need. Uh, that's because this covetousness has got your heart. Because when, you're, when you have covetousness, that's what it does is self first. Then take care of self first. Right? <laughs> Covetousness puts your wants over obedience to God and over the needs of the kingdom. Well, you know, when yourself are bound by covetousness, you don't even hear the need. Pastors better, better preach on it. You, you know, you, you don't even hear it. You're, you're counting your money in your banking account the whole time. Or, you know, well, you know however you do it, uh, you don't even hear it. You know, you know I don't want to get too personal, but there, there's some folks who never even hear a need. Our text here, the rich man had more than enough, but he wanted more. Instead of meeting kingdom needs, he built bigger barns. What do you do with your extra? Is God even in the picture? Man, I got this extra, man. I'm going to go says, uh, and if, if there's not, I'm going to tell you no. Go enjoy what you have. But if there is, I'll be honest with you. But it's even in your heart. See, covetousness is. Self first and self at all costs. 
You know, giving makes room for getting. Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over will be poured into your lap. And with the same measure you use, that's scary, isn't it, sometimes? To the covetousness, that's real scary. The same measure you use will be measured back to you. In other words, God takes what we give and multiplies it over and gives it back to us again. We say this in Luke 5. Let me read a portion of this. Verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word. He saw, uh, um, or he saw at the water's edge two boats. Uh, they were fishermen who were uh, washing their nets. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats and one belonging to Simon. He asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, push out into the deep uh, and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught uh, such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Verse 7. So they signaled their partners in another boat who came to help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Now think about what happened there. Jesus simply asked to borrow a boat. And Peter simply gave permission, yeah, take my boat, uh, push out a little bit. This is giving, no, Peter's giving here. Uh, this is the lesson here. Peter's giving uh, something, uh, and Jesus in return says, listen, uh, I'm going to bless your giving here. Uh, push out a little bit. Try this again. It's going to work this time. Not only, only, only is it going to work to have the favor of God on it, uh, it's going to work tremendously. Uh, he goes out and fills his boat, fills the other boat to the sinking. Uh, I don't know, that's how you get ahead. But you will never know the giving of God until you become a giver. I've, heard, I've had people tell me, you know, I, I'm always strapped. God's never helping me. My mind, are you a giver? Or are you covetousness? Well, I'll give if I got it. I'll give if God gives to me first. I'll give if I have extra. Well, no, that, don't, that ain't how it works. Faith says, righteousness says, I'm going to give tithe and offering first. I'm going to believe God. Uh, I'm going to put what I have in God's hand uh, and allow God to bless that. And when God blesses it, that's when you begin to notice, hey, man, God's a, God's a good God here. God can bless and God gives us favor when we obey. Whatever we're chasing after in life will determine whether we are a giver or we're covetousness. Whatever we're chasing after in life, you're chasing after God and the will of God. Listen, you have no problem giving. You have no problem eating need, but if you're chasing after something of the world, as Solomon said, uh, he said, I chased after everything my heart desired, but at the end of the day, it was meaningless. Uh, I was empty. I was, uh, uh, I was not what I thought at, at the end of it. Uh, he said, listen, the whole matter, serve God. That's where, your, that's where your favor is. That's where joy is. That's where satisfaction is. It's not in things. Matthew 6.22, for your treasure is, there's your heart also. Let me ask you, where's your treasure? Or where's God's treasures, tithes and offerings? 
Is it in your bank account or does it come to church and go in the plate? Because if we keep what's God's, we can't ever expect God to bless us. Think about, I'm closing here, but think about Jericho. God gave this wonderful city, got a, I mean, took down the walls, they went in there, it took, but Achan has to take what's God's and people paid the price. I wonder how many people pay the price when we don't give. We're not going to tithe. We're not going to evolve. We're going to be selfish and whole. I wonder if we knew the outcome of, if we're able to see what God sees. I wonder how many people pays the price. Family members might have got saved. Co-workers that may have got saved and delivered. People that could have been added, but because we were selfish. Listen, God blesses giving tonight, tithing offering. But listen, we're, we're up against a spirit called covetousness tonight uh, that makes life all about you and life's all about you. You can sit in church and still miss the kingdom of God. You can sit in church and say amen and still be 10 miles away from where God wants you in life. So what are you chasing after? Is it the will of God or is it just another dollar? Because listen, if it's the will of God, you have no problem giving and God has no problem blessing. But if it's Another dollar, listen, you never give a dollar. Not regularly, anyway. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head.